0: everyone. Welcome to the 54th edition of On the Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey. I hope this finds you very safe and very well. On the way, Mario Ficiency, no more hugs, and crisis averted. Question mark. We will work through all that and more with our guests tonight. Now, we've had a bit of an injury crisis this week. Maybe I really was working Steve too hard. Uh, he broke down in training with a stats-related strain, but I'm delighted to say our bench is stronger than Norwich's, and we'll be winning by the time this podcast is over. Uh, please welcome for their on-the-ball debuts the bloke who has the honour of covering Norwich, open brackets, and Ipswich, <laughs> closed brackets, for BBC Final Score. Mark Weber. Hello and writer, Norwich City fan, and columnist for a long Come Norwich, Nick Heyhoe. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Much appreciated. Um, how are we both? Mark, thanks for joining us. You well? Uh, I am wonderful. And
1: it was a pleasure, to be honest with you, to be there with the 2,000 odd, and including the uh, two away fans uh, in the uh, Holiday Inn, <laughs> uh, who got uh, national publicity as a result of their work. um, No, seriously, it was brilliant to be there. Um, I was there for the 1,000 test event. That was great. The 2,000 was even better, though.
0: It, it was. Um, I mean, I'm guessing the Sheffield Wednesday fans were there illegally. I'm pretty sure you can't watch the game from the hotel anyway, but uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, Nick, you, uh, by the way, Mark's got a, a wonderful um, yellow and green background. You won't be able to see it because this is a podcast, but yellow and green background is part of a, a green screen effect. It looks wonderful. And Nick, you made a special late change to put on, oh, now, which era is that shirt? I want to say 87?
2: Yeah, it's an 80s uh, away Foster's kit. So Why? Wow green and white um, Hummel kit.
0: It is beautiful.
2: Yeah, they're, 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 it's not my favourite Loris shirt. My favourite Loris shirt is the um, Asics early, uh, late eight, 89, 92 shirt. So both the Home and the Away shirts are my favourite Loris shirts but no one, I don't think, has made either replicas or sort of remakes of them since they were about so if you spot them on eBay, they kind of go up to about £300 in, in price. Wow! If you've got one tucked away in a drawer somewhere, it's worth a lot of money <laughs> because they're beautiful shirts and, and people really want them.
0: And then people probably don't want to lose them either. So there we go. That's Nick's plea for, for an Asics Away shirt, I think. I'd take one of those as well. Um, uh, now then, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift For free, it's the perfect present for any Norwich City or indeed football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as free, uh, at-free versions of all our podcasts. Wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for a whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod and sign up. And I think we should probably then crack on with this week's headline act. I refer you to my piece on the athletic from Sunday evening where I was uh, lauding Mario Vrancic. Now I know it has been said on this podcast before quite uh, recently. In fact, uh, but that on Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday, two dreamy assists in a remarkable late turnaround. Uh, they did just have me purring. Um, Nick, how lucky are we have uh, are we to have Mario Vranic at Norwich City?
2: I think the main lucky thing about Mario and something that's just extraordinary about the way that Norwich are is that he's not a normal first eleven player. He comes off the bench and he is that good a player, and he's. Coming off the bench most of the time, um, so to have that quality player who is happy to be on the bench most of the time, and it's quite unusual for a footballer to be like that, and then to do what he does when he does is is quite something special, I think. And yeah, we are so so lucky to have him. His goal against Sheffield Wednesday uh, two years ago for the free kick is one of my favourite ever Norwich moments, and I've seen quite a few of them. And yeah, he's just a special, special player.
0: It's an interesting one because uh, I mean I've I've spoken to Mario Vranjech a lot and. I think most of those times I've had to say, you don't play a lot, do you? And how do you keep yourself going? And it's the same question all the time. And I mean, he's not, it's, it's probably just the lack of him getting really annoyed at not playing, I suppose, rather than being happy about it. Cause I, I think there are times when he, when he sort of, you can just tell he wishes he was playing a bit more and it gets him down a little bit, but, I mean, he is so efficient with with what he does, isn't he, Marco? In the piece I mentioned, he's got the most goals and most assists per 90 minutes this season. Yet he's averaging 35 minutes per appearance.
1: (laughs) I lost count of how many times I have done a final score goal flash at Norwich by saying... Super Mario strikes again. Uh it's a twee line that I think the boss is uh, had enough of now because it always one that I have to pull out when Mario Francich comes off the bench and puts the ball in the back of the net. And I I suspect he is a little bit, you know, he's wondering why he's not getting more game time. But you know, I think this super sub tag suits him a bit. And I think um he's got more attention as a result of it. And certainly you know, he's he's pulled games out of the bag, uh, not just this season, but last season. And you know when he comes on, and I suspect the opposition know, they, they've they got trouble here. This isn't just some make-weight sub who's going to cause, uh, you know, just get, get the, the engine going a little bit. They know what he can do. And if you give him uh, especially a chance from a dead ball position you're in danger so yeah no I mean I I love it when he's on because I'm raring to go and I know that there's something magic gonna happen from that guy and I I think he will still be remembered in years to come by Norwich fans when he leaves because of the role he's played in the club even if he hasn't had x hundred full starts
0: it was um remarkably similar his first assist for Josh Martin uh compared to the assist for Timu Pukki's winner against Millwall two seasons ago, actually. That sort of very square, very straight through ball. There's no angle on it, but it's, the, it's almost the run, the, 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 the sort of vision of where the run is going to go that kind of picks it up. I mean, you, you, and we've all, all obviously been talking about the impact Mario Vrancic has when he comes on. The irony is, when I spoke to Daniel Farker after the game, I sort of started by saying... Um, Mario wasn't actually that good, I thought, until he until maybe the last twenty minutes. He sort of came to life, and you've almost kept him on the pitch there, waiting, waiting for that for that moment, which which hasn't happened very often. I don't know why it suddenly suddenly clicked, Nick, and I don't know if you have any theories on that. I mean, some people there was obviously a degree of tactical change when Josh Martin came on a few minutes earlier, but I mean, it obviously allowed Mario maybe to play slightly higher up, but also he had a probably a, an extra and better runner ahead of him in that, in that instance.
2: Yeah definitely um, I think the substitution changed the game pretty fundamentally um, it's not it, it's quite I, I can't remember the last time I saw uh, such a tactical change because Norwich really didn't look like breaking down that Sheffield Wednesday wall and I actually said just before the first goal we can't break through <laughs> which of course then leads to us breaking through um, in the match review that I wrote on the game I kind of noted at the time that it looked almost like an American football style scrimmage line with uh, Norwich attackers on one side of the penalty area the edge of the penalty area and the defenders on the other side and it was going to take that sort of incisive pass that Mary Ramsey could do to actually finally get through. So it was almost like both of those goals actually were almost like drawn up American football style offensive plays or basketball plays. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it was something special to watch actually. I, I, uh, obviously, I haven't been to the football in such a long time to see that kind of football, ball. And um, it was such, such a joyous moment to be reminded of how, could it, how good it can be when it, when it is that good.
0: And there was, of course, the Mario backheel after that. I'm going to bring this uh, section forward, actually. I was going to ask you this later, but as you've touched on it now, we'll bring it up now because you did write a lovely piece on uh, Along Come Norwich. Everyone should go and read it. It just summed up the occasion, but also what it meant for for everyone. And there's some really beautiful lines in there. So make make sure you go and read it. What sticks in your mind of the occasion now, um, would you say, Nick?
2: It's very nice of you to, to say that about my piece, by the way. Um, so thank you for that. It's true, um, it's very
0: true. <laughs> I enjoyed reading I, it.
2: <laughs> when I was on my, my, on the, my train journey home, I realised that I couldn't just apply the regular Aloncar Laurie review method to that game. There was, there's, there's something about going to a football match and when you're in the stadium watching the game that is just almost indescribable um, with regards to how it makes you feel as a fan and um, the way in particular that everything outside of the stadium is almost irrelevant to in comparison to what's happening in front of you on the pitch. Now obviously in this particular time, this particular time in history, uh, that is magnified 10 times so um, everything outside the stadium at the moment is absolute chaos in the world whereas inside the stadium that's all my attention is focused on for that two hours, and that feeling is 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 so good and I, you know I just wanted to to summarize how good it was to feel that to come back again um in that in that piece i wrote so that for me was was the was the most joyous thing about that occasion was just having that feeling again it's not the first football match i've actually been to since we had lockdown I have been to a non league game um, how
0: dare you where did you go
2: i I have been to a non league game previously um when non league football was was um allowing fans in um which is a sort of similar effect of course it's not it's not the same as watching your actual team um with you know all, uh, with 1,999 other fans plus two Sheffield wednesday fans
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of journalists in the it tucked on the far side um mark what's what's your team
1: uh my team is dundee united Oh, wow,
0: that was literally not what I was you, expecting.
1: You never expected a Welshman who lives no. in East Anglia to say that, didn't you, right?
0: No, no. you got me there.
1: And, and at Dundee United,
2: simply because those orange kits of the 80s are just yeah. so good. So good.
1: But, they won us trophies. They won us trophies, those orange kits. You
0: know, what did to do with the football. <laughs> but you see, I was... Um, so, I mean, it's... It, it's obviously been a really tough time. That's a, seems like a glib cliché, but, you know, they're, they're, they're having the fans back at the ground, even even for me on, on Saturday, got me thinking when I was driving home with still no traffic on really quickly. It's so lovely, but not really the point. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up, my, my family, are big Norwich City fans, my granddad a season ticket holder. My, my, my dad couldn't actually bear following it. He cared so much, ridiculously. And I, I can think, I can... I just sort of had myself transporting back to sort of when I was six, seven, eight, and thinking about the crest because I talk to my little boys about it now sometimes, and just how profound that crest is, how individual it is, and how much that sort of seared in actually really deeply into into what I I sort of have always had an interest and passion in, and you don't always connect that when you become a journalist and you're just covering it a, a lot, and it's, it's it's very separate. So I think even I left the ground on on Saturday just. Sort of thinking about what what has been missing, and even walking along the uh, the city stand where at half time, where normally I'd be asking one to move out the way so I could get a coffee, and you know it's no one there, and it's feel like oh, so um mm. so yeah, but I mean it's obviously it's it, it's the same when you go and when you get to see Dundee United play, I guess, is it Mark?
1: <laughs> well, it is, yeah. I mean, as a fan, I absolutely got engaged with the way people were thinking and where people were in that in that game on Saturday. I, what they were hard journalists sitting with us in the press box on Saturday who mentioned to me this is quite emotional when they hear the crowd this was quite emotional two people to my right um uh, and, and they were right and I tell you what I I don't uh have any problem with admitting this but when I saw Delia in front of the uh fans sort of um choreographing on the ball city and sort of you know conducting an on the ball city I could see how much it meant to her. I could I could hear how much it meant to them, and and that's that's emotion, and and that's what's been missing from football. You know, I, I feel so privileged as someone who's been able to go into football grounds during lockdown and do my job, and been looked after very very well by various clubs. Including Norwich City as you know their safety has been uh, as paramount uh, our safety has been paramount for them, and I feel very very blessed I say that every Saturday on Twitter once I've come out of a ground, thank you to everybody um, uh, and i and I really respected the opportunity i've had and now but now though I am absolutely so happy that fans are back with us because they're part of the story i mean anybody who does I have to listen to me on BBC and uh, decide to listen to me instead of real people like uh, Gorham, um, you know, will we'll know that part of my Razor Detro football coverage is very much the sort of the colour reporting and what's going on in the stands and what's going on around the game as much as in the game and believe you me, when you have Norwich City and Delia as your club, uh, you have plenty to add on that. And, and I missed the crowd at Norwich and at the other clubs that I've been to because I've wanted to turn to them at times, I've wanted their reaction and I haven't been able to have it so I've had to sort of work harder (laughs) in a way. Yeah,
0: this is this is true. I mean, um, and as you mentioned in your in your piece, Nick, the the sight of the uh, Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper um, slicing his first goal kick into the crowd, under a little bit of a little bit of gentle pressure, um, was the equivalent of Darren England refereeing the game at Luton uh, midweek in front of crowds for the first time. Um, it's uh, it's just shaking everyone up a little bit. Maybe if they were getting a bit too used to having no one uh, or no sort of no accountability immediately, uh, pitch side. Um, and also, you mentioned your line about saying that no. Norwich didn't look like they could break through Uh, a word here for Jeff Peters, who called it perfectly, saying how Norwich didn't look like scoring the very moment that they did score. That was in his live report on TalkSport. So uh, I think I've tweeted that somewhere. Everyone have a listen to that. It's 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 a lovely thing to listen to. Do
2: you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in
0: your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Right. Uh, next up, the things we are not going to talk about. These are the things that have happened and deserve acknowledgement, but we are only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Um, also, we only have about three minutes to do it these days. These are the things we are not going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Max Aaron's hugging a supporter um the efl uh, there was a bit of a tabloid report we're not going to talk about it but there was a bit of a tabloid report and um it said the efl might investigate that because you know clearly players shouldn't be hugging anyone uh, they should be hugging themselves either it should be said and there are lots of protocols that you know maybe people aren't following quite as closely uh norwich have been reminded of that but you know there are going to be no bans or fines or anything so uh, we don't need to talk about that as well as, move along i would say move along uh, mark anything you don't want to talk about um, I don't want to talk about how many
1: games are coming up in the next few weeks um, <laughs> fixture congestion you think the uh, injury list is getting better I'm afraid I'm worried in the next few weeks and it's about to get a oh, whole lot no. worse
0: don't say that I've just written a whole piece <laughs> on the injury crisis and so maybe I'll just update it it's fine but well, we're not going to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 person, the person who needs the most money is the uh, treatment ta- uh, the guys on the treatment table at Norwich it should be bonus pay- uh, bonus payments for them
0: yeah imagine if they got like paid by an injury or by yeah. an injury good lord yeah we'd better not talk about that either or give anyone any ideas um just on the hugging as well obviously not going to talk about uh, luke berry hugging the referee in celebrating um a penalty yeah, what is all that about i don't know it'll be interesting if norwich get a reply to their letter that they sent um at displeasure at the way things were officiated mid um, midweek they lost as well but don't really fancy talking about that either to be honest or their penalty uh, nick anything you don't want to talk about
2: I don't want to talk about BAR um, <laughs> over the weekend um, on, in the Premier League, particularly uh, a strange old decision in the Crystal Palace game. Um, and just generally, we just... Shouldn't talk about him in AR, ever. If we don't talk about it, it might go away.
0: <laughs> well, back on the Mario Vrancic piece, you know, robbed of the best assist in that, that probably would have been that season. His wonderful pass to Tammy Pookie at home to Spurs gets called off for the most ridiculous offside. Yeah, I definitely don't want to talk about that. Um, uh, Michael McGovern's goalkeeping, I don't really want to talk about that, to be honest. I think he went a bit walkies for the Sheffield Wednesday goal. Wasn't great positionally, but actually a lot of other things okay and let's be frank there's not much we can do about it at the moment anyway so you know, i think it,
2: at the end of the day on michael mcgavin he is just doing as well as he can be doing he's not he's not um incredible. and that's the end of it really
0: um few people are um uh both sheffield wednesday penalties i've written i don't want to talk about them i mean they could have both been given but i can see why neither was to be honest it's but,
2: good to talking about them, because I actually didn't realise that they had
0: to. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark smirking.
1: On Twitter on the way home. <laughs> I I just think, well, they're the sort that could be given. Um, the You know, the closest one, we discussed it in the press box afterwards, didn't we? Uh, Kadeem Harris and Grant Hanley with a bit of a coming together. I think that's the one that I've caught the eye the most. And because of the impetus that Sheffield Wednesday had at that time, that's the sort of thing that could turn a referee's head.
0: Yeah, fair play. Although if Grant Hanley got the ball, then yeah, anyway. Brilliant. I think we've not talked about quite a lot there. So I reckon we move on to our centrefold. Now, my colleague Stuart James wrote an excellent column on the championship, a normally crazy league that is actually seeing fewer goals scored than any previous season in history. Um, Stuart wrote that on, uh, well, it went live on Saturday, uh, but he'd written it on Friday, and of course Bournemouth went goals happy against <laughs> Barnsley, and I think we were all sort of shaking our heads going, oh <laughs> the goals have arrived, but um, it is a, it's definitely worth a read it features quotes from Daniel Farker, Paul Warren Gary Rowett, Chris Hutton, and some very good stats as well Gentlemen, you've been watching the Championship um, Nick, why is, why is it a bit more cagey this year? Have you got any I theories?
2: Saw the, I saw the stats uh, a couple of days ago actually and um, the, the tweet that I saw it on basically didn't come to any sort of conclusion on it. Um, so I can't really offer too much of more of an opinion than that myself either. So uh, the only thing I can think of really is that everybody's a bit knackered because, let's face it, um, I'm exhausted being a uh, fancy website editor and having to do previews and reviews twice a week. So what it must be like playing 90 minutes of football twice a week, um, it, it must be getting quite difficult on the players. and We're not even at the... Cliched, uh, festive period. Um, so, I can only assume that it's 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 down to, to tiredness.
0: It's, um, it's interesting, Mark, I think, because I feel like teams aren't, and again, this was before uh, Bournemouth demolished Barnsley, but teams weren't really mm. going for the jugular. They were getting one or t- possibly two up, but you wouldn't see them pushing for anything more. And, and, and the games with high, with high, that were high scoring were actually almost sort of basketball matches of score, equalise, score, equalise, that sort of style. So it felt a bit like that.
1: Um, I think there are two, uh, well, no, four words that would describe why we are in the position where we're in the Championship. Neil Warnock, Tony Peelis. Oh, that's about isn't it. <laughs> Pilis and Pulis only arrived. Warnock arrived a bit later.
0: Um, and you've no, missed I, Karanka I, and Chris Hutton. but um, yeah, yeah and, and that's exactly but, what Daniel Farker said. It, in fairness, that you know, look at the look at the managers. I think he was joking, but he you know. He,
1: yeah. No, I think it's down to this: um, uh, the amount of games we played so far. Um, I, I do, I do get that. I also think it's about sides being really uncertain about their opposition a bit more this season either because they've been playing those games behind closed doors and they they don't know how they're going to react without the crowds now you know you normally expect a team at home to be rallied by the crowds even if the crowd are getting on their back a bit that's been missing for about three or four months so the, the teams have been trying and struggling to sort of play a game or motivate themselves in those moments where it has been a lull or it's not looked like it's going to be easy to score a goal and I think now we're getting crowds back. And I think I saw that actually at Carrow Road on Saturday. You know, when when Wednesday went one nil up, the Norwich fans let Norwich know how they felt about that. Um, the silence was uh, a condemnation, but you know, I heard mutterings as well. And look what happened after that. And I I do think you can credit the turnaround to some of that. So. I think that's one of the reasons that we are behind um, in terms of amount of goals scored at this time of season. I I also wonder if, um, maybe subconsciously or even consciously,
2: there is a feeling at the moment that the, the risks of being relegated or something disastrous happening are much greater now than what they were in previous seasons because of the financial problems that clubs could potentially face from... relegation to a team such as I don't know, I was just picking somebody from random here in Nottingham Forest um, they uh, to be relegated to League 1 and then end up in an Ipswich style situation where at Ipswich the, the issues at that club are becoming quite toxic, that could be that could be a disaster for 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 a club like Nottingham Forest. So I just I just wonder if that was also that's also playing a part in in slightly more slightly negative football seen from from these sides and also slightly more defensive choices in manager or safe hand choices of manager as well
0: it is worth listening to the uh, season preview podcast I think Uh, I can't remember which number it was but you know early September Uh, we had George Ellick on from the Not the Top 20 and uh, the Totally Football League uh, podcast I had a good chat with him sort of saying what sort of championship should we expect because you know Norwich left it did everyone start copying what Norwich were doing and playing free-flowing expansive football and he was basically like no quite the opposite everyone's really tightened up and so I think there were elements of it at the end of last season and I think it was sort of anticipated it, this season might be a, a little bit like that as well but you know if the fans come back maybe we'll, the, the goals will start flying in and everyone will be able to uh, lap it up delightfully pre- uh, um, preempting my next question actually Nick for Mark, I mean, you have been obviously watching more of Ipswich than us lot. Could you sum up? I think Norwich fans are slightly interested, not hugely, but, and they, they wouldn't want to come across as particularly interested at the moment. But could you sort of sum it up in two sentences maybe where, where they're at?
1: You're all voyeurs, you Norwich fans. You want to know. You love it. You love it. Just, um, just
0: showing a healthy interest, that's all. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's good to know how, how your neighbours are getting
1: on. I, I actually live in Suffolk. Um,
0: oh, now he lets us know. How are you doing, Nick?
2: <laughs> and half my family are Ipswich supporters fact, uh, my grandmother was, is a massive Ipswich fan has been for over 70 years so um, my enjoyment of Ipswich's situation is probably somewhat magnified than other, <laughs> even, other even other Norwich fans
0: your poor <laughs> grandma oh dear <laughs> uh, go on then Mark <laughs> fill us all in
1: it's it's, it's not good um, but I think it's a long term problem look you know uh, the the We're getting to the stage now where the Lambert outcries are just vociferous and just like minute by minute, to be honest with you. Um, And I think there is, we've got to the stage where there is a breakdown in a a really strong breakdown in the relationship between Paul Lambert and and the fans. I don't think that's irretrievable. Uh, But, you know, to be fair to Paul Lambert, it comes from the top. And I I think Paul Lambert's getting a lot of the hit from Ipswich fans not really being happy about the the way that the whole club is being run. Um, you know, the problem you've got as fans are allowed back in stadia is we all know that, you know, Ipswich on a good day with attendance could get up to 17, could get up to 20, 22,000. You're down at 14 there now. and I don't see any Ipswich fans rushing to claim their bubble spaced seat at any time. Um, so it's not so much whether Paul Lambert's not going to take them back up into the championship, it's actually whether the long-term damage has already been done in the amount of people that actually want to turn up to a club and watch that game any, anymore. So that's the bigger worry for Ipswich. I don't think it's resolved unless Ipswich change their
0: owners. Uh, well, I've already seen him, link, uh, Paul Lambert linked with Celtic, but uh, Neil Lennon's still there. He's had the vote of confidence, so he should be there for at least another 48 hours. Um,
2: I think what's quite interesting about the, the situation as well as you touched on there, Mark, is this isn't just a simple, oh, the manager's losing, it's not playing well, the team aren't playing well and the manager's under pressure. This is actually uh, a fundamental problem through the entire heart of the club that they've mm-hmm. got there. And I, I was mentioning that I, I've been to non-league football uh, earlier in the pod and... Non-league football in Suffolk is is booming at the moment. Tendencies were before lockdown, obviously, were booming. The reason why is because a lot of people in Suffolk who would otherwise be considered, considered themselves casual Ipswich fans are fed up. They they, they just do not they don't don't want to spend their time at Port Road on Saturday afternoon. Instead, they're going to Lacedun Market, Lowestoft, Stone Market uh, to spend to, to to watch to get their football fix. Um, and that is a that is a slide that is very difficult for a club to get out of. I think.
0: And it makes me think that there's a, a cracking piece on Sunderland who have spent their 100th day in, in League One. And I think as as uh, you know anyone who's followed Norwich for any length of time, the, the best bit about Norwich spending um, you know a season in League One is the fact they got out of it at the end yeah. of it, <laughs> to be honest, because it changed the complete complexion. we had, had
2: yeah. it done, we would probably have ended up in a Ipswich-style situation, which is something <laughs> we're thinking about, to be honest. But Indeed.
0: Well, that's quite enough Ipswich chat for, for a Norwich City podcast. We'll take that. Um, just very quickly, Nick, um, the, the tickets haven't been exactly flying off the shelves for Norwich um, restart games. I mean, they did, they did sell all 1,000 for, for the game and there were still some of the Forest tickets on sale as well, although they may have all gone by now, I think. People were still trying. Uh, do you have any thoughts on why that is? Yeah,
2: I think there's, there's uh, one main reason and one minor reason. The main reason is because it's 30 quid. Um, 30 pounds is a lot of money um, at any time. It's now especially a lot of money, two weeks before, before, three weeks before Christmas, during a pandemic where people are worried about their jobs. Um, I understand why it's 30 pounds. I get the club having to recruit the costs of putting the match on on Saturday, which you know must have cost them a lot of money to do, to have done that. Um, but it's always going to be a barrier to people. The minor, Well, it's not really a minor reason, but the, but the other reason, which I think is... Also playing in the back of people's minds is um, is obviously that they're still not 100% sure if it's going to be safe. And again, just before Christmas, you might want to see some relatives. You don't want to risk anybody getting COVID before then. So um, I think that was also going to be playing the case. I could see it improving the more the pe- more the people see that it's it's okay, but it's going to take time.
0: Okay, now it's time for This Is Just Like Fantasy Football. Uh, We are recording, as we usually do, on Monday, which means we've got a game on Wednesday night at home to Nottingham Forest, 24 hours after the under-21s play at MK Dons. They play their first team in the EFL, or no, Papa John's trophy, hopefully dishing out free pizza and uh, all those uh, Norwich reunions, of course, in that game. Uh, Then it's a long old poke to Blackburn on Saturday before we return with another pod next week. So this is the point where we paint a picture of the forthcoming seven days. We let our minds wander like a Nick Ho column piece and uh, let you laugh at it. uh, Not the column piece the events of the seven days um, as if they've already played out we're basically giving you the gift of hindsight because you're probably going to listen to this when some of it has already happened Uh, once again we've got a tight turnaround so we're going to play some lovely dramatic probably the same dramatic music in the background cue music there it is Um, what's going to happen then guys Uh, paint the picture for us i'm going to go first nottingham forest haven't scored in five games
2: Why, oh, why, oh, why would you say that?
0: Because I'm predicting it's going to happen. How are they not going to score? How are they not going to score? No,
2: there's a reason why the fanzine is called Alumcom (laughs) Norwich. Because if you have not scored in five games, Alumcom Norwich, you're guaranteed to score a goal. I haven't checked the Forest starting XI, what will likely be the Forest starting eleven? so I haven't seen if um, any ex-Norwich players are playing. Um... I think Lewis Rabin, for example, is not not a Forest player, is he not? He is. So I think he's yeah.
0: been injured. I don't I don't know if he's still okay. injured. but
2: that's that's quite lucky because if he was playing, he would be an absolute dead cert to score. In fact, I would put my mortgage on that.
0: <laughs> we do not recommend anyone puts any mortgages on 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 anything. Um, I mean, Chris Hughton. I always feel a bit for Chris Hewton because he gets some proper stick when he comes and I, I don't think he deserves it really I have to be really honest and you know he's such a I know that's a cliche he's such a lovely guy but I mean I don't know people would tell me now oh if we like last season why don't they just shut up shop you know a few 1-0 wins you'd be delighted it's like well you know you did that finished 11th and everyone got on Chris Hutton's back anyway um, yeah so he's probably Chris Huton will get a bit of stack, a stick from the 2000 Norwich fans. <laughs> Uh, Mark, anything you can um, foresee happening? Are you there on Wednesday?
1: I'm not, um, but I don't really... Ma- does it does it really does it really matter if, if they score? Um, I think Norwich are now showing that they're adept at uh, getting at least two more. Um, see! One thing, one thing I will predict for that game, Chris Hewton will walk into the wrong changing room, break Covid protocol, the game uh, will be abandoned, and it will be a 3-1 walkover, for, a 3-0 walkover for Norwich.
0: Oh, be honest, we'd take it. We'd take that, wouldn't we? <laughs> Would we get that walkover? <laughs> Is that how that works? I think they yeah, should breach breach a protocol. Absolutely. As long, as long as he doesn't hug anyone, we'll be all right. To be honest, I've got no idea who the referee is on that uh, Wednesday, which maybe I'm going to have to start paying attention to because, um, you know, it was well, it was such yeah. a rude awakening at Luton the other the other week. Um, I mean, I guess I think I, I, I you know what, Tyrese Matoye, I can I can see him doing. I can see him coming on for a little bit, and he he looks like he he will get a chance. He hasn't had a chance yet, and I think if he comes on for. I would imagine Daniel Farker would like to give him a chance if the game's going quite well for a little bit longer I think there's just hints of I think you get a chance I think you could get a chance I going to
2: go here as well and say I, I think it's going to be a bit of a crazy game I think it's going to end up four or five or something <laughs> like that as well um, we haven't had one of those uh, high scoring games we've had some crazy games but not high scoring uh, in quite a while. So, um, yeah, I, I've got a feeling that Norwich are going to make us suffer, uh, as they sometimes do. Uh, <laughs> we will come through in the end and score a last-minute branch free kick
0: Time's up. The music's already stopped. Um, Blackburn, Tom Tribal's going to be watching from the stands, obviously, because he can't play. Um, okay. But I don't know. Maybe, Or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll have gone somewhere to have a break. I don't know. Blackburn but,
2: uh... are are doing really well this year aren't they because normally you are used to sort of see them hovering around 17th to 21st in the league um but yes they've had a very good start this year um so again there's another uh <laughs> as, a, as a typical football sport, i just think i think it's going to end a disaster all the time
0: <laughs> you're just trying to talk it up um it's worth bearing in mind bradley johnson's obviously had a very good season so far so expect yeah. him to drill one in from 25 yards um as for danny ayala Got no idea what he'll do (laughs) because he might not start, he might do, but there we go. Uh, it's going to be a, a cracking week, and my early season predictions that Blackburn could really be promotion contenders. I'm not really sure that's playing out now, I think they're a little bit shorter legs. So we'll see if Norwich have got any, anything left in there it's by the time they rock up at Ewood Park. Um, but that for us is time. Uh, what a lovely pod that was. Uh, on the Ball we will be with you all season long so make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. Uh, the podcast is available free for everyone on your usual player and add free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. Don't forget that um, buy one gift one uh, offer as well mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, if you like what we're doing leave a review and a rating and please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world if you'd like to get in touch ask a question or propose a topic for discussion send me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey um, I'll make sure I go through those as and when in the meantime a big thank you to our superb debutants Mark thank you so much for joining us much appreciated no worries we'll do that again as we will with you I hope too Nick thank you so much Robert. No problem at all we'll definitely get you both back on um, if you'll have us so thank you so much uh, we're back again next week for another On The Ball a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic until then never mind the danger and we're clear how exciting welcome gentlemen to wit's end I mean I must uh, I must must say, I gave you both the option to ditch out of this section, (laughs) as it is fairly secret, but you were both willing and able to stay on, so I I appreciate that um, much, Lee. Welcome all of you Twitterkers out there uh, to wit's end. If any of you have stumbled across this for the first time and have got absolutely no idea what's going on, uh, listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, as Nick did earlier today, which went live on September the 8th. It's all explained there you can email us which is twitterkers at icloud.com twitter k-e-r-s at icloud.com or use the hashtag twitterkers on twitter you're just not allowed to explain what why you're including it basically say say what you want to say for for a wits end but just don't say what it is um And away we go. You've got a special by means of of communicating uh, with us. Um, Happy to have you both here. I I will plow on through because um, I'd basically sort of prepared this as a monologue, um, but it won't be, I'm sure. Uh, But what I did want to say, housekeeping, uh, make sure you look at um, the outstanding, I'm now officially labeling it, twitterkers.co.uk website. It is so good. We have got someone out there who's taken it upon themselves to update this. It's uh, remarkable. There now appears to be a countdown clock, from Norwich's last defeat, which of course was Luton, um, and is a beautifully optimistic thing to add to the website. So uh, make sure you check uh, that out twitters.co.uk. Um, right. We also have, oh, oh. Sorry,
2: sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, please. Before I um, uh, checked out that earlier podcast, I actually went on the website thinking it would, it would actually give me more information on what this section was about. And it actually left me more confused. <laughs> Than, than what i was previous so but that appears to be the intention so well done to you know, <laughs> put that all together
0: i think i think the more you listen to this the more sense it makes at least i hope that's the idea and plus that quote will probably end up on that website now nick so well done um we have got two two dedicated uh, twitter accounts as well at any other business and at ncfc Twitterkers, but spelt with Stephen Whitaker's name rather than our version. Um this is obviously all in all in tribute to Stephen Whitaker. Um they both um and this is sort of a me putting it out to to these guys as well, they both said, when are they coming on to Witsend? Because they've both gone to the trouble of setting up these Twitter accounts. But you know, they were asking this on Twitter. We can't have that public discussion on Twitter, so I'm having to have this discourse over wit's end um but but you you're both more than welcome to come on we will make that happen you know get back in touch <laughs> you can come on it'd be it'd be a pleasure to have the two tribute um twitter accounts on on this section uh i uh, an apology i owe i did bring up um mr reynolds lay uh, the other week um but i i thought that his uh, the post hyphenated section of his um name was i a y e so i got very confused he's actually gone to the trouble of now capping it up in his twitter so that i can now see it's reynolds lay um, and then brought up all the other various names I failed to pronounce correctly like Alec Neil, Tom Trouble and um, not Poeta, by the way I've got that one nailed which did bring me on to this um, leaflet we now get given when we go into Carrow Road as part of the media um, briefing probably, yeah. uh, with, with a, couple of, a couple of pronunciations I mean they're all fine I read through them at the start of the season but apparently it should be Mario Vrancic now I've been calling yeah. him Vranchic forever yeah. and, and if a man of my you know, standards I should probably now be altering that because that's clearly what he wants Vrancic I don't know if I can now. And, and I shouldn't really be putting in the steeper in Stieperman. It's Marco Stieperman. There's no Steeperman. I, I, I know, but it sounds great when you say it like that. That adds to the drama, the sh- is, that, is that what Five Live gets? Does it's Five Live great. get Franchich and Steeperman?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's in the uh, it's in the style guide we get given. We must say it like that.
0: <laughs> uh, I, love it. Um, I, I, oh,
1: cool. asked a, I asked a Polish
2: colleague of mine uh, last week how to pronounce or Hetter's name correctly. Um, and he told me something quite funny, which is that the L uh, with the dash through it that's in uh, the Polish alphabet, basically when it's like that, it's a noise that is very difficult for English speakers, for people, or English speakers who are from Britain to pronounce properly um so he basically just said just pronounce it or etter and you're fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like literally you can't so don't bother that's it which maybe i'll take up with vrancic uh now uh, my weekly apology to ollie i am definitely going to answer your email because i've got a cracking answer to it um it's going to be next week. Um, I'm just trying to get some audio ready for it. Um, but it'll, it'll be good. Uh, if you've got any emails, sing them in. And I promise I'll answer them much quicker than Ollie, who's been waiting for months. I also owe two tweets of videos. Um, that is, was in last week's end. This is turning into just an admin section, but I'll make sure I sort those out um, next week. Next week. Keep an eye on my Twitter feed. I'll put those out. Um, which leaves me on our Emmy of the business. Going back to the website, make sure I was going to put out there basically for you to bring forward any forgotten Norwich City memories you have, like Gary O'Neill's massive head wound or Harry Kane's Norwich City loans bell. And also, as I was going to put here, your favourite Norwich City moustaches. Now, did I think was it, this was one you said, Nick, you you. Oh, had. yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... They're looking at the uh, lists that have already been announced uh, on previous spots. Um I can't believe these two names have not been mentioned on the list of greatest Norris moustaches because they are the only Norris moustaches. Now, anybody who knows me, will know that I love my early, very early Norwich City history. So, you know, the club's foundation were up until sort of the Second World War, which is a bit of a mysterious time um, for Norwich fans. And um, the club's, of course, founded by two chaps called Joseph Copernucci and Robert Webster. And both of those people, both of those men have extremely good mustaches and they must be Googled instantly if you don't <laughs> you know what I'm
0: talking about. This is amazing. We're going to get bang on with that. Um, Mark? Uh,
1: yeah, I would think if you want to go back to Norwich history pre war, you'll be very strong in the moustache department. <laughs> Mine have already been, been taken in the Twitterkers website. I mean, uh, Graham Padden, I just wanted to mention, there's a yeah. big hole in the middle of his moustache right in the middle. I mean, that is half an effort. That is half an effort. And then I forgot about Holties. How do I forget about Grant Holtz?
0: Well, yeah, but that was all got a bit Novemberish, didn't it? Which is a great yeah. cause, by the way. I have to say, I think Graham Padden's one of the one of the Norwich City footballers I wish I'd have seen play. Um, you know, I, I wasn't born, or I certainly wasn't conscious of, of what was going on, but um, I would love to have seen uh, Graham Padden play. I think it sounds like a, a treat of a footballer to have watched play. I think the only other thing I wanted to bring up, and, and this was a put-out for all of you listening out there, there was a moment where Ollie Skip did an incredible bit of Backtracking, put in a great tackle, and there was this roar from the two thousand fans. And then there was this sort of awkward pause where they're like, "Let's sing a song." Oh no, we don't have one because this is the first time they'd seen some of these players play. So um, I want to know what Ollie Skip's song should be, and, and if there's any other players there who who deserve a song who haven't got one yet, or maybe some who deserve a refresh. There is a, on Twitterkers.co.uk there is a song that I never heard. Some about Ibrahim Amadou, <laughs> but maybe we'll have to re- recall it on here at some point, but um, I'll, I'll try and sing it at some point. But um, so yeah, Ollie skip songs.
2: I'll have to get in touch with, uh, I'm sorry for this absolutely shameless plug, but uh, uh, my fellow ACN, Andrew Lorne has released a book on f- oh. in the last couple of weeks. So I will ask him what he believes would be the best fit, um, And he will probably will give us the definitive answer.
0: Friend of the podcast, Andy Lorne, definitely. And uh, you can always put it on Twitter with the hashtag Twitterkers. That's the way to deal with that. Um, Right. I think we're going to wrap this up now um, as time is pressing, as is the football week ahead. Um, Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, Remember to get in touch by sending um, a tweet into Twitter with the hashtag Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S. Or you can email this section directly, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. But that's it. Time's up. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Mark. No worries stellar stuff. Thank you, Nick, so much. We'll we'll definitely do it again. Um, Until next time, that's a wrap.